ready to keep you company wherever you are. Carte Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. Welcome to another episode of the Whole Week Wrap with Daily Maverick. This week, Masake Kana is joined by Daily Maverick political journalist, Queen and Maswabi, as they tackle all things coalitions. Then, dubbed the Jeffrey Epstein of South Africa, we unpack the high-profile case of child sex ring accused, Gerard Ackerman. It brings in the conversation around a sex offenders registry in our country and how that needs to be implemented as soon as possible because we need to be able to identify these people in our society. And did you know Queenan is a bit of a petrol head? Let's get into it. Queenan, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, Masa. How are you? How is your patience game? My patience game at the moment is really on edge. We've been waiting for weeks now. We've been anticipating this imminent cabinet reshuffle. Now we're told any day now. And I'm fearful that, you know, if I just blink or close my eyes for a second, that's the moment that it'll happen. Also considering there are so many very important vacancies that need to be filled including that of a deputy president. Massive anxiety coming from each and every political journalist that I know, including myself, is just on another level at the moment. Obviously, we are waiting to know, especially about the Minister of Electricity. There's a huge interest in who will be occupying this position. We also want to know who will be replacing Figlin Balula as the transport minister and who will be filling the vacancy at DPSA um, since Ayanda Dodo left last year. So it's been a roller coaster for all of us. At some point, they said last week, Sunday, we waited and it didn't happen. It was supposed to happen this Thursday, this past Thursday, it did not happen. Speaking of the Minister of Electricity, I do believe that you know, with the swearing in of Finance Minister Enoch Godongwane, that there will be some movement and hopefully we will see very soon these vacancies being filled. What do you make of the rule that there can only be three non-MPs allowed to be ministers? And now that we're seeing Enoch Godongwane being sworn in, is this some sort of a step forward, would you say? Masa, it's definitely a step forward because then it makes way for any non-MPs um, which the president wants to appoint to his cabinet. What do we know about murmurs that also could be the former Jovic mayor, Park Stowe? I think there were, of course, murmurs about that, but there's a strong perception and uh, a lot of talk about him moving to being the cooperative governance minister instead because of his local government expertise and his time mm. as um, the mayor of the city of Joburg. There is a strong possibility that it would be Hossein Suramakopa and because of his background and if you've just like watched how he has positioned himself in the past couple of months it's really been highlighting the electricity and the power crisis in South Africa mm. he's spoken at various forums about this he's written a paper on some solutions that South Africa needs to focus on if it does want to alleviate this crisis that we are facing at the moment. So I am really inclined to think that it will be Hossein Ramakoba who occupies the position. What I do make of this waiting is that hopefully it will be worth the wait. And it's not another instance of 
recycling of ministers that we're going to see fresh blood, we're going to see new blood, we're going to see experienced blood as well coming into the fore. Yes, I am hoping to see a major shake up. But, you know, with our president, we never ever sure what we can expect. We know that he is the king of consultations and he is not known to shake things up. Hopefully he does surprise us this time around. I'm looking forward to to seeing what he's decided and to see what, you know, overall the ANC and his alliance partners have given the go ahead for. Um, When we have a president who takes such a long time to make, I wouldn't say the most basic decisions, but decisions that need to be made urgently. You know, an announcement was made over a month ago for the Minister of Electricity, and now we are still waiting for it. So the sense of urgency is a concern, and we need to make sure that this doesn't become a norm in our country where we are dragging our feet to make very important decisions that affect citizens. Maybe we need more decisive action. I actually couldn't agree with you more. It's the indecisiveness and leaving us in the dark, pun intended, that is causing even more of a frustration for each and every citizen. Another coalition crumbles, this time in Swanem. As the capital of South Africa gets a new mayor, it has a DA pointing fingers at its own. Here's a quick wrap of the winners, the losers, and the ANC's perceived end goal. From a national state to our local government coalitions and the disarray, coalitions have become our daily soapy. The unfortunate thing is, it is real life, it is reality. Now, looking at the city of Tswane, we have the multi-party coalition up in arms, very upset that there is a new mayor from COPE and Moronwa. Makwarela has now been sworn in with 112 votes. Now, they thought it was a done deal that Celia Brink would get this, but it didn't turn out that way. I believe the ANC has been quite clear about their position from last year to say that all the DA-led municipalities would not succeed and that they were working on a comprehensive plan to ensure that they are able to attract parties on the opposition benches to actually join them. As we've seen, it started with City of Joburg and now with Tony, I think the most surprising thing was that in a briefing just before Silius Brink was announced or when he was announced as the mayoral candidate for the DA, Makwarela did endorse him. He spoke to the media about how Brink is the perfect candidate for the position. And the next thing, I was hearing that he didn't want to call the council meeting. And that's when I realized that there is some turbulence in the coalition. And this meant that he was himself trying to be the mayor. And eventually we saw how it turned out. And yes, the ANC, I see, is not directly trying to govern all these local municipalities, but it is trying to work with other smaller parties and kind of uh, broker a deal, which allows them to also be part of the mayoral committee and to have some kind of say, but not directly having a mayor. It does seem to be a strategy to have a mayor from a smaller party and then having them occupy the MMC positions rather It's a new strategy that they have adopted that is clearly working because, as we've seen, and it seems to be imminent for the city of Agurulen as well. Every political party at this point, because 2024 elections are coming up, they want the opportunity to show that they are able to govern. But I don't know if it's a trap or if it's a blessing, because taking up a mayoral position at this point, you might be blamed for, you know, 
decisions which were made when you were not the mayor. So that's where the danger lies. And I don't know if maybe it's an ANC strategy to just throw everyone in the deep end. And because the smaller parties are so adamant and they are so willing to govern and show that they are able to also lead, maybe they're just falling into the trap. It is an opportunity to show themselves off and cope to try and show the citizens what it had been in its former glory years as well. But how much support would a mayor that has literally gotten 2,597 votes in that city get from the citizens one? And how much support would they get from their fellow council members when they are so vastly outnumbered? That's why they sometimes call them these puppet mayors. It's really difficult governing when you do not have the numbers, Masa. And we've seen how it's really made the DA crumble in most municipalities. It's unfortunate that, you know, these smaller parties are given uh, the opportunity, but at the end of the day, it's probably parties like the ANC that are actually spearheading and orchestrating, you know, major decisions behind the scene. If the ANC decides that in Swani, they want to get rid, or in the city of Joburg, they want to get rid of the mayor, they have the power to. And because they have formed an alliance with the EFF, it makes it even easier because with their numbers combined, they're able to make huge decisions. The multi-party coalition, which was the DA and other smaller parties, have mm. had issues with Action SA. It shows that numbers are the most important thing at the end of the day. What's a take-home for me is how... The ANC and the EFF are able to work together at a local government level. And what will be interesting to note is if this will happen at a national level when we go to our general elections next year. At this point, we can never say never. We don't know what 2024 holds. And when the time comes, every single party wants to be in power. There have been more and more calls for coalition agreements to be legalized in some form. And also the DA is leaning more towards that because they have really gotten the short end of the stick every single time when it comes to coalitions. So I think they are looking for ways in which they can hold coalition partners accountable and to make sure that they are more solid. Accused of running a child sex ring, Gerard Ackerman faces over 700 charges of sex trafficking, production and distribution of child pornography, attempted murder and rape. The 52-year-old ran a massage parlor in Pretoria, where he is alleged to have employed several teenage boys to perform sensual massages. Ackerman denies any wrongdoing, stating that the boys were 16 and legally able to consent. However, this week he conceded that his clients did perform sexual acts with the 15-year-old boy. Ackerman's co-accused senior advocate Paul Kennedy died by suicide before the trial began. Now, this is a story that you've also been following pretty closely. It takes me aback every single time I listen to court proceedings and just see the extent at which, you know, young people were abused and how Ackerman every single time claims to be ignorant about the law, about, you know, what the legal age is to have consensual sex. Mm -hmm. And I think particularly for our country, I'm very shocked that such a thing can still happen in South Africa, knowing the laws that have been put into place and, you know, the kind of awareness that we have. It's been shocking just to hear the, the extent 
at which somebody who's supposed to be an adult, someone who is supposed to be a caregiver of some sort, taking advantage of young people, you know. And I don't know if it speaks about, you know, the unemployment crisis in our country to the extent Mm. that kids that young, 15, 16 year olds, are expected to, you know, go and work or try to find job opportunities. What's even more appalling and very disturbing for me is that men like Gerard Ackerman and his co-accused who's now committed suicide, Paul Kennedy, were upstanding men in society only to find that you're allegedly running a sex ring, targeting young boys and children. I mean, when we look at his co-accused who's now deceased, Paul Kennedy, he was a renowned and celebrated human rights activist and attorney and lawyer. I mean, he gave, he was at the State Capture Commission and behind closed doors, this is what allegedly was happening. More names need to be revealed. We need to know who exactly were his clients and how regularly they were going or being a part of this sex ring because it can't be that he is the only one. It brings in the conversation around a sex offenders registry in our country and how that needs to be implemented as soon as possible because we need to be able to identify these people in our society. It Mm. cannot be that somebody who has been involved in a sex ring can be even given another opportunity, and especially an opportunity that involves young people. Whether you're a motoring fan or not, it was difficult to ignore the very first Formula E World Championship hosted in Cape Town last weekend. Carte Blanche's very own Derek Watt spent some time on the track. You can revisit that on DSTV Catch-Up in case you missed it. But for now, Quinan and Massa look at how this fast-paced race could send a positive message to the world. Another good news piece. I know it is bad. Stage 6, we have a serious electricity crisis. But for some reason, the city of Cape Town was able to pull off a Formula E. I'm so jealous because I really wanted to attend. I have a couple of friends in Cape Town and, you know, they were telling me about how they're attending and I felt that it was a bit unfair. I think the city of Cape Town has made very good strides in making sure that, you know, the city centre is never dark. The EPRI itself was an exciting event for South Africa and I think it's the beginning of something new. It's going to encourage more people to show an interest in racing. It shows an opportunity. We need people coming into our country for such events. But we need to fix our load shedding issue because it can't only be the city of Cape Town. We need to be able to expand and really make the most of it. Well, it's been fantastic chatting with you. I wish you all the best of luck as we all wait with bated breath for this imminent <laughs> I want to look up this word I don't know if they know what imminent means but this yeah, imminent cabinet reshuffle as a journalist who's been writing on the reshuffle I've been trying to get synonyms moving <laughs> imminent you know I'm out of ideas at this point English just you know going south right now because I'm tired of using the same words. I blame the presidency for making political journalists run out of a thesaurus. It's been great. Have a fantastic week and we'll chat soon. And that's a wrap. Join us again next week as we unpack more local and international headlines. Until then, give Carte Blanche and the Daily Maverick a like and follow on socials.